If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Lee Bilasic and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. And welcome. This is Passive Prospecting, uh, YouTube for real estate. And today we are talking about protecting your money doesn't protect your income. It was funny because we were running the backstage event uh, last last month, which was a huge success. Went way better than I was ever expecting. And then we, uh, we decided, well, let's run it again and see what happens if we run it back to back. So if you missed out last time, then go ahead and check and see if we've got an up- upcoming event for backstage.passiveprospecting.com. But somebody, uh, we were asking for feedback. We got a lot of feedback during that session and somebody, their feedback was that that line I said, which I didn't even really realize I said it, but they said, protecting your money doesn't protect your income. And what I was talking about there was, was I grew up in a very conservative environment, very conservative family, extremely conservative and uh, also very poor. So I did all of my shopping at garage sales. I was the third son and my mom never worked. She stayed at home and took care of us. We ate every meal at home except after church on Sundays. We would go to the pizza place because they had a buffet. I would get one dollar for video games. So, you know, back then about a quarter per game. So I could play about four games and that was it. I mean, that's that was a splurge for us. That was living large. I mean, for me, I always looked forward to going to the pizza place after church, you know, uh, especially growing up, sometimes more so than church, right? But uh, otherwise, on Saturday mornings, usually my uh, if we weren't out, you know, doing service with the church or something, then we, my mom would take me to garage sales and that's where I got my clothes. I never had a brand new pair of shoes for the first day of school. Uh, none of that. But the thing was, is I just, I, it wasn't, I didn't have a bad childhood. I, I just, I noticed other people always had nice clothes. They were talking about going to Fort Worth or Dallas to the mall. We never, ever went to a mall. Never, ever, ever. Uh, I mean, never shopped at a department store. So I don't know. It just wasn't part of me growing up, but otherwise I know anytime I asked for something, it was always, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. And my dad pretty much worked a minimum wage job his entire life. He just retired at 70 to maximize his social security and, you know, God bless him, but that's, that's just not what I want to do. Now, the funny thing is, is he actually got a small pension from this factory he worked at, but he never really made more than 35, maybe $40,000 in a year. But again, my parents lived extremely conservatively. My mom still drives a, it's like a 21 year old Pontiac Grand Am or something. It's literally 21 years old and (laughs) she still drives that thing around. So it still runs, but, but very conservative. And, and so I grew up with that mindset and I grew up with saving money, never, ever spending anything. Don't put money with other people because they'll steal it from you. Don't trust. I mean, that that was the way they looked at the world as well, which was kind of this mentality of everybody's out there to get you or to scam you or take advantage, something like that. So I, I, 
I that was just embedded in my subconscious, I believe, because I didn't really think that. I didn't think anybody was out to get me, but at the same time, it put me in this position with money to where I wanted to hold on to it. You know, I started would make some money and I would wanted to save it and I'd want to save it and I would save it until like an emergency happened and then luckily I'd have some money to to pay for that but I just never really seemed to get ahead I never looked into investing uh, early on and I did I, I guess I did come across some opportunities I heard about real estate investing early on in my early 20s but I think I was just scared of the risk and that little voice in the back of my head was still talking about you know, don't do it. Uh, you're going to lose your money. You're going to get taken advantage of or all these limiting factors. So so for me, uh, I was always protecting my money. I was always trying to protect what I had and not really take any risk or spend money or anything like that. And so, you know, whenever I was explaining this to uh, the the or the the group when we we were running that that backstage session, you know, because I I got in deep, I got in deep on a lot of these things, and it wasn't until now the reason we're scaling so quickly, you know, now is because number one, I got myself out of a lot of jobs, <laughs> so I I brought on the right team members, the right people, and that cost money. You know, Sean Cannell always says that you need to hire before you're ready. Uh, you need to invest before you're ready sometimes. You need to spend money before you're ready. And so, you know, growing up with that, plus also going through three major setbacks, you know, I went through deployment to Iraq um, and that set me back mentally and financially. I came back uh, not without any, hardly with any money there. You know, eight years later, I got extremely sick. So physically, I got set back, but that also set me back financially. Uh, whenever you become disabled when you're 33 years old. And then, of course, in 2020, I had a thriving business until the world shut down. And at that time, I had quite a bit of money and savings at that time, which really kind of fueled this whole opportunity right here. Because uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but over the summer of 2020, I had I had probably about $240,000 you know, saved up, ready to go. And what I did know is over 2020 is I didn't want to get another job. And I didn't want to, uh, who was hiring anyways, right? Who was hiring in 2020? There's 30 million layoffs. But I also didn't know what did I want to do. And I had that money and I said, you know what? I had been, I started to look into digital marketing, online marketing, internet marketing. I'd started my education on that because I'd realized too, well, I've always been a salesperson. I've always been really good at sales. I've always been really good at prospecting. And I've always been good at chasing after business. But at this time, again, I was 41 years old and I was just tired of prospecting. I was tired of the chase uh, because I just I like, I just wanted to sit in front of somebody. I was like, whatever product or service I have, I would love to just get right to the conversation, you know, versus chasing people down, making the calls, sending the emails, knocking on the doors. So is there a way that I could fast track all of the prospecting or make it passive prospecting? I didn't I didn't know that was the the term at the time, but I was thinking is there a way I could just kind of skip the line when it comes to prospecting? How could I just get in front of people uh, for the, almost the very first time with little or no effort from myself? Is there a way or a system to do that? But at the same time, I was I didn't want to get into real estate. So over the summer of 2020, I literally spent all the money I had, 
all of that money, the 240000 or so uh, of cash that I had, I, I put all my chips on the in the middle of the table. I went all in because I, I just told myself I'm not going back. I don't know if I, my financial services business was not going to come back. I knew that. That was that was done. It was a closed door. Burn the boats on that one. Um, there's that old story of the, I don't know, Spaniards or conquistadors or somebody that you know, came ashore some country and the captain made him burn all the boats because he said, we're either winning or we're, or we're going to die. You know, that was the two options. We're, we're definitely not going to retreat, get on those boats and sell across the ocean. So that's what burning the boats means. And that's what I did. And in, in summer of 2020, I invested in two different Amazon stores and I invested in uh, some coaching and I invested in some courses and and that all pretty much ate up that money. I probably had about 20, 30,000 left and that's what I was using for living expenses over that time period. But what I realized is that okay, the Amazon stores were not going to play out. They were not going to give me a good return and so I had to uh, pivot and I had to think, okay, what else was I going to do? I bought real estate investment courses because I didn't want to be a real estate agent. I have got my friends are chirping in my ear to be a real estate agent, but I still did not want to be a real estate agent. So I was like, let me buy some real estate investment courses and maybe I'll be an investor. And I had done it before. I had, I was a part time investor, had seven rentals at one time. I'd done several fix and flips, but all on a part time. I never earned a full time income from it. So it was just, you know, here or there that I did that. But what I realized in those investment courses is that they taught me how to cold call and door knock and, and create postcard campaigns. And basically, you had to prospect. You have to prospect just like every other business, which it makes sense. So, you know, I went all in on that. Uh, you know, I think that just led one thing led to another. I mean, it's ironic that that I ended up really figuring out on YouTube you could do all of this for free, practically free. But I didn't have a lot of money uh, whenever it came down to it, whenever I started YouTube. And thank, thank God it's free, um, mostly. I mean, Chrissy was my first editor. You know, she had been working with me already for several years on some of my previous uh, companies, especially in financial services, helping me with social media management and things like that. And I just asked her, I said, hey, because I knew editing was not my strong suit. So that's number one, is that if, if you don't, if you're not strong in a skill or something of that nature, or you know somebody that can do it 10 times faster than you, you have to invest that money. You have to figure out a way to make that work. So if you continually protect your, your, your money, your income is likely not going to grow. And that's what had happened to me over the last really 20 years is every time I would build up and I protect my savings, then, then something would happen, some, some, some event out of my control. And I would just end up draining my savings anyways, instead of reinvesting that savings into something else to possibly flip to double or triple or maybe even 10 X my money. So that's what I realized from starting this is I said, you know what, I've got to start spending more money. As soon as I make money, it's all going to go right back out the door. I'm not going to save anything except what I can do for my living expenses. That was it. So that was my mentality coming into this is as I was thinking, I'm going to make changes, right? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to protect my money because what I realized is that protecting my money did not protect my income. I was always uh, doing well. Uh, my best year was 2019 probably yeah I did around 270,000 in income 
but that was it, you know, and I, and I, I don't know if I could have really ever grown past that. I probably could have compounded, but financial services would have taken a lot longer. It would have taken probably another 10 years, uh, to really build that up. It was definitely a slow game. But again, I, I thought, you know what, as soon as I get into this, if I'm going to work on this video thing, editing, not my strong suit, first thing I need to do is hire somebody. So I asked Chrissy, can you edit? And she said, like she always does, oh yeah, I can do that, no problem. And uh, she way undercharged me as well. So I was thankful for that to edit the videos for me. So she started out as the first editor and th and that was it. And then as soon as uh, I started to work on everything and I worked on everything as much as possible because at this point I was out of money. I was out of money because I spent it all and then my living expenses had pretty much eaten up what was left over. So I don't tell that story a lot. I, sometimes I do on stage depending on where I'm at and depending on the time I have. But by January... Uh, whenever I started this, I started December of 2020. By January of 2021, I, I had to apply for unemployment because I was completely out of money. Allow me to take a quick break to remind you that we have very important links in the description below. If you want the full story of how we closed over 1 million in commissions our first year and over 2.3 million in commissions our second year, check out the first link. Also, you have the link to our number one Amazon best-selling book, Passive Prospecting. Last, if you enjoy this podcast and you're a giving person, leave a five-star review, please. Now back to the episode. And I, I have the pay, I have the, I have the 1099 from the unemployment office because it was the first time, I think it was around that time, January of 2021, it was the first time ever that the government approved unemployment for 1099 people. So I'd been 1099 for the last five, six years. And so, you know, at that time, applying for unemployment was never an option. And this time they, because of what happened, you know, with the, with the pandemic is the first time the government approved unemployment for 1099 workers. And I thought, you know what, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, really thin right now and I'm just going to apply and see what happens. And I did. And it wasn't much. It was like, I don't know, $1,700 a month or something. It wasn't really that much, but it was enough to pay the mortgage, pay a bill or two. And that did ease me up a little bit, but I was only on unemployment for about 90 days until I got that first deal under contract. Whenever I got that first deal under contract, I immediately canceled the unemployment and, and promised myself I, that was never going to happen again. And I, I have the pay stub. I show it from time to time and it was about $7,600. So I collected it for about three or four months, I think, but it was enough just to help out a little bit and, and get me started. Uh, and keep YouTube going, really, because otherwise uh, I needed to pay Chrissy. And then uh, I, I can't remember the next person that we brought on from there, but otherwise it was it was something that I immediately started to outsource and started to spend that money. Whatever I had as well that came in, I immediately started to look at how do I deploy that back out into the business and, and expand. And that is a big reason why we've grown to where we've grown now, I believe is because the first two years as well of this business is um, is Travis and I just paid ourselves a ten thousand dollar salary each, you know, per month. We paid we paid ourselves a ten thousand dollar salary, and everything else we made went right back into the company, went into marketing, went into uh, expanding camera people, whatever the case may be, whatever was the need at that time we reinvested that money. And so for the first two years, 
just $10,000 a month, we set ourselves on that salary and that was it. You know, that was how we started to grow. And because we did that and threw all of our money back into it, it allowed us to expand to now where we have three companies, uh, three different companies. We have probably, what, I don't know, Chrissy, 70 to 75 total team members, um, you know? At least. Yeah. And yeah, a big majority of that is on on the video editing side because as, as you know, a video editor can take care of, you know, two or three clients and then we have to bring on another video editor. But we've got, you know, 10 agents on the real estate side. We've got, you know, assistants and these are salaried, uh, salaried assistants. We've got um, showing agents. We've got uh, a couple of assistants on there as well. Um, client care manager, salaried, and then you look at passive prospecting, and a, we've got a COO, a CMO, we've got client care manager there, we, we've got editors in place for that company, so there's probably about, we got salespeople in place, so there's probably about 10 to 15, 10 to 15 people there, so that's about 25, and then yeah, we probably have about 50 people. Uh, do you know the exact count we have in the agency? Is it about 50 people? We have about 55 on right now. We have another two or three coming on in the next week. Oh, there you go. All right. So, you know, and so in totality, um, who we have on salary around 75 people, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. But every time we do that and we invest in a person, a process or a system or equipment, you know, we know that that's allowing us to grow and to expand. And my income over the last couple of years has you know dwarfed maybe the last five who knows 10 years depending on what what you added up in there and and now with what we did over the last quarter uh in q3 with the new initiatives that we put into place some new goals and some uh, some strategic opportunities we crushed like on uh passive prospecting we crushed our q3 goal over uh, like 168%, you know? And so now leading into Q4, I, it gives me a lot of confidence to where we're going to experience what we experienced last year. I'll say this, in passive prospecting, what we experienced last year, we just did in, in one quarter in Q3. And in Q4, we might be able to do that per month because of the right people in the right place you know, with uh, bringing on a, CO, a COO to run everything on the back end, which is helping free me up. Uh, our CMO, which is amazing at, you know, copywriting and uh, build outs for systems and things like that, handling that. And these two guys are like peas in a pod. They are like long lost cousins, you know. So also that team synergy, that team culture really comes into effect as well. Uh, Gwyneth, our client care manager, is like through the moon about working with us. She absolutely loves it. Uh, sometimes it worries me, though. I'm like, really? Do you really like us that much? And she just uh, raves how much. We, I mean, we just brought on a full-time graphic designer as well. Uh, so again, and we're just employing so many people and changing their lives, which is amazing. And so for what I'm seeing is that because I've, I turned around and reinvested everything for the first two years has allowed us to grow so rapidly. And now, uh, you know, and then this year, 
Uh, you know, I will say that our salary expanded past what we had been doing. Paying ourselves only 10000 a month for two years straight allowed us to reinvest so much that this year we're able to, uh, you know, really double those, uh, not, not double, but triple those salaries and, and probably even more than that. And then this year, because we now have what we have in place for, for marketing and everything and the right people and we're growing that, I'm able to take the excess. I'm still pretending like I live off of 10,000 a month. And that's what's allowed me to, you know, dig into apartments and multifamily, which is something that I wanted to do this year. It was a goal of mine and I'm about to close on my third deal this year. I had a goal at the beginning of this year for 500 doors. This third deal is going to put me at 619 doors. Um, you know, over 60 million in assets under management there. Um, and I've been able to invest and, and be a part of that because of reinvesting and not protecting my money and reinvesting it into the company and into people and into systems and processes and equipment and everything that we felt could expand and has expanded our company and our companies so that uh, it, it, it frees up me and now I'm, I'm able to get back to, I literally this week was the first week that I've, I've finally worked out a new schedule for myself, which if you looked at my calendar for the last year and a half, it was like nonstop meetings, nonstop meetings and traveling. And so, you know, it, that's difficult um, to keep up with the content. I've been able to maintain the content throughout that time. But now this, this week, you know, it was like one of those things, um, I think Alex Hermosi said this, Alex Hermosi said he doesn't take a meeting until 1 p.m., and then I was talking to Brent Gove. For those of you that know Brent Gove, uh, you know we've developed a really good relationship. And he lives in Puerto Rico, but he's from California. So if you think about it, Puerto Rico is like even an hour or two ahead of New York, uh, depending on daylight savings. But you know, to, for him, if he wants to touch base with his team in California, it'll be 1 p.m. in Puerto Rico. It may be what 9 a.m. or something like that, 8 or 9 a.m. in California. So like Brent was talking about, he doesn't start his day until 1 p.m. He does meetings from like 1 to 5 or 1 to 6, and then that's it. The whole morning, he goes out and walks the beach, <laughs> goes and plays golf, hangs out with the, the with the wife, you know, just, and then he starts his day at 1 o'clock. And then I heard, you know, Alex Ramosi talking about he – gets up at 4.30 and by 5 a.m. he's working until 12. And so he puts in a good eight-hour day by noon without any meetings and then he'll take his first meeting or something around 1 p.m. And I just thought, you know what? For me to get back into deep work, uh, deep planning, allowing some time to think, that's the thing is that if you're not allowing yourself some time to think, <laughs> then then you're just going to get caught up in the processes. You're going to get caught up in, in, in just doing the same thing over and over again. And that's the point I was at. And so, you know, we were gone all last week. It's the first time I've gone to three conferences in one week. <laughs> so it was a lot. I got to speak at two of them. Uh, I got to speak twice at EXPCon. And then I got to speak at WealthCon with Ryan Pineda, which is a huge opportunity. Super blessed for that. And then came back and we had an event in Dallas and we ended up going to dinner uh, afterwards with Gary V, Jesse Itzler, Bradley, Ryan Pineda, and uh, who Neil uh, Dangriga, uh, I think that's his last name. He's known as Neil Home on social. And, you know, so I'm sitting there at this dinner 
right across looking at Bradley, talking to Jesse Isler, Gary V's there hanging out. Um, you know, we're just chopping it up and I'm like, wow. But I'm gone that whole week, and that's a lot to just take, you know, take off that time to really work. I mean, that's a lot, a lot of work. But at the same time, this week now, I pretty much have every morning blocked off uh, until, you know, no meetings until 1 p.m. And you know, I talked to the team about this, and I'm just like, look, I'm going to shift any meetings that we have in the mornings. They're going to the afternoon, and only really on Mondays and Thursdays. So now I've positioned to where I'm only going to do meetings on Mondays and Thursdays and I'm leaving my mornings uh, open for planning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, actually planning tomorrow, Wednesday, I'll, uh, I'll shoot content in the morning because that's the other things I'm working on trying not to work all the time because, you know, if you're out at a conference all week, and then you're like, okay, well, do I have to go out on Saturday now and shoot some content? And I don't want to do that. I'd rather shoot content on Wednesday morning, and that way I'm done with that. Friday, if we want to shoot longer form content, we can go out and do that. But now I'm being able to take back control of my schedule, and within two and a half, uh, just under three years of starting you know, three different companies and going through the growth and everything that we're going through, I'm able to capture back my schedule to a point to where now I know I'm confident in, in the team, the right people in place, the right systems, the right processes. And I got to get back to what I did before, what started all this in the first place. What started all this in the first place was me having time uh, to work on my content, to think about it, to research, to plan it out a little bit better. And now recently I've just been just blowing and going and, and really making a lot of stuff on the fly, not a lot of thought, just off the cuff and just, which it's, it's, it's done well. It, it's, it, and it's sustained our businesses as well. So, I mean, it hasn't been a bad thing, but at the same time, I know I can do better. And that's the position I want to be in. And that, and we've learned a lot of that from the consultants that we've hired on as well. We, we work with a consultant right now, you know, cost us $4,400 a month. That's a strong investment to make into it, but these guys are work. You know, they've been pushing on me and working on me to get me out of the business. I mean, <laughs> which is great. And I'm like, okay, you know, and you struggle with that for the first quarter or two, and now, now I'm like, my God, can I get rid of everything? <laughs> I just want to get rid of everything and and just get back to researching and studying and making content, really, really good content is what I want to focus on. Same thing with, with Travis. We've got to work on, you know, we want to work on getting him out of production so that, that, uh, we, you know, we can just have him work on higher, higher skilled opportunities, but you know, YouTube leads are easy. So right now, you know, if he's taking those YouTube leads and he is working them, then, then, then that's, that's easy money for the company. Right. And we don't have to split that with anybody. Um, so, you know, at the same time, we've got to, let me see if I can bring up my good friend, good friend, Rogelio. Um, you know, so just something to keep in mind is, is that there's a lot going there, but the point that I'm getting to is that, oh, and Tuesday afternoons, by the way, of course. And that's why I wanted to, I moved this podcast now to Tuesday afternoons instead of Tuesday mornings, because I would get going or working on something and then I would start this at 10.30, get done at 11.30, and then I'd be like, okay, it's time for lunch. And so it was kind of like right in the middle of the morning. So I'm like, well, I can control this. I control this schedule. I'll just move this to the afternoon. 
And then also, if we wanna do a live for our YouTube channel, we can do that right after this. And so, you know, Tuesday can kind of be my live content day. Wednesday can be my recorded content day. Monday mornings can be research time. Uh, and then Friday, all day I have blocked for, if I wanna go out with Alex and we wanna make very specific long form content. And so I'm now I'm positioning myself to where I have that time, that free time in the mornings to really work on the things that I want to work on. And what's funny is this is the first week I've been able to do that. And I pretty much did that yesterday and, and today in the morning. But uh, the other thing is what I'm realizing, I'm, I'm really going to have to turn off all notifications, <laughs> everything. Almost you got to go in almost blackout mode if you really don't want to be disturbed because what happens, I start getting messages or uh, to my own fault, I look over and I see a message, so I read it from the team. Our team is very active in WhatsApp. <laughs> we have we have like eight different group chats going on in WhatsApp for all of our different departments or things we're working on, uh, all the way from you know the companies down to graphic design, down to client care, down to the social crew. Down, I mean, so you know, depending on who's in that group, there's a lot of communication going on. It's easy to look over and get caught up. A lot of times, if I get to work, I'll look up 30 minutes later, and there's there's 30 messages <laughs> in one thread. So then you got it. Then I'll go in there and have to read through that. But otherwise, that's what I'm gonna have to work on is being present in what I'm doing and not not letting the notifications and everything get to me on there. And so I'll I'll work on getting better, but otherwise I would say Monday, Tuesday, a really good start. I was able to have some some great meetings in the afternoon. It, I didn't feel so rushed in the morning. I was able to watch YouTube videos and take notes. That's something that I haven't done in a little while. You know, it's one thing to watch YouTube videos. It's another thing to stop and take notes and, you know, look at what you can apply. And so with some new strategies that we want to implement, I mean, I want to, I want to look out there and see what's going on. What's, who's already, who's already making it work, you know? Um, and what can I learn from that? And so I can help develop a strategy based off of what I learn and also with what I want to uh, you know, grow from there as well. So it's just uh, something to to keep in mind, and and being able to, uh, you know, being able to expand that way is what's allowing me to get back to this now and still have companies that are producing really good results, and also probably going to be even better now because I've got the right people in place working on you know, specific things for those companies and really kind of taking over and taking charge of them. And ideally, where I see us going is that we're going to have to bring in probably like a CEO um, over all three companies and somebody that that can really has to be dialed in, though, and, and make some some good decisions you know, for us and for the companies. That would be key. And so, you know, that would be um, one of the positions we'll be looking at in the future. And and uh, I'm excited about that because that will help free us up even more. So uh, I just wanted to, let me see, is nothing in the chat? Hopefully y'all can hear me. Oh my goodness. I've been talking this whole time. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I would have told you if we couldn't. The chat's kind of quiet, so uh, I guess no questions so far, but that's okay. Uh, my man Rogelio, how are you, buddy? You know what, Levi? I'm doing great, and hopefully you can hear me because I'm driving, but... Um... Just a couple of comments. Um, actually, no. You know what? So 
Levi, have you ever considered, I know this sounds a little odd and probably not the way you monetize, you know, channels, but have you ever considered taking equity in, in some of the channels that you're helping uh, to, you know, create with your, with your uh, partners? I have, yes. Is there, do you want to dig down deeper on that? Yeah, and and the only reason why is because someone that you and I know on this app, um, and I won't mention their name only because they said, you know what, please don't tell anybody. Keep this to yourself. And I said, all right, I'll keep it to myself. Um, that's why I'm not going to mention his name. But literally, he he is probably next to you, uh, the next, the most brilliant person that I that I met on this app. What he did is, you know, he's a real estate agent. Uh, you know, his business is really dynamic and he, but his fall, his channel on TikTok, yeah, on, on TikTok, he got really, really big. And then what he did is he started uh, asking, you know, his advertisers uh, for equity instead of um, money, you know, uh, to send the audience to them. And it's actually worked out and, and it was impressive. I did not know that you're at like 600 and something doors. And that's what actually got me to think, oh, I wonder if Levi's doing that. So think of him. He now oh, has equity in 200 businesses, 200 businesses. So it's kind of like your doors. And if you're already considering that or if you're already doing that, that's amazing. Because you know what? I've never heard of anybody leveraging leveraging their channel like that i mean that is like freaking incredible so if you're doing that that's that's genius and then the last thing is are you free on wednesday november 22nd uh what happens on the 22nd so that's uh adu america number three that's my event for those of you listening to the sound of my voice um if you know anything about events um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the second most popular day to throw an event. So the first one is New Year's Eve. So if you throw an event on New Year's Eve, it, it's, you're going to have people. The second most popular day is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And that's because everything everything shuts down. Everybody shuts down for four days, right? The eat turkey to then shop and then the next two days to just veg and watch football or just be with family you know and then back at it on monday so that wednesday is a great day for people to say hey you know what um i'm gonna cheat now for four days or actually i'm gonna enjoy myself for four days so on this day wednesday it's like my friday and it's my last hurrah anyways um levi i'd love to have you speak at the event it's in san diego specifically in logan heights this is, Logan Heights in San Diego is the artist district. That's where all of the, de the development is happening, meaning all of the gentrification. Um, the venue is the Soap Factory. It's one acre. It's open air. It's beautiful, like one acre open air. Um, at the end of the uh, property, there's a 16-unit uh, um, apartment complex made 100% from uh, shipping containers. Gotcha. Okay. Well, appreciate the invite, my man. And I'll have to check. I don't, we might be actually running uh, something that week, but uh, I'll have to get back to you. But I appreciate the opportunity. 
And uh, yeah, as far as you know, equity. I don't know. We we've looked at that as uh, you know, equity in channels just to help people at the same time. I I don't know. I, I struggled with that a little bit just because you know people have to do the work. And and the problem with that initially, and I'm not saying I'm opposed to it going forward, but initially the a channel takes work. I mean, plain and simple. I I know what happens is, is a lot of people think that or maybe we make it look easy but that's because you're watching what we've accomplished over you know a couple of years now and anything looks easy whenever you see somebody that's been working on something for two three four five ten years right they're like oh man they make that look easy but guess what man the first six months 12 months year and a half i mean it was it's a lot of work and and uh it's still you know we're still trying to improve that process and my concern with partnering up with people is i know how i work and i know what i will put into it but if i don't know that person and we just work with you know a random person then we have no idea what they're going to do and that's that's the challenge that i would face is that if I give you a hundred percent and you give me ten percent and then quit, I mean it's a it's what a I mean it's a huge waste of time, <laughs> really. Uh, it's not even really about the money for me. It's it's more of the time that would be lost into that. So you know now if somebody has an established channel and they they are consistent and are turning over some business, I would probably be more inclined to partner with somebody that has a little bit of a track record on consistency that would probably make more sense uh, but at the same time the other challenge with that is is that you know after a year two three years i mean uh, people also get i mean that that's where partnerships or that's where equity ownership too can get a little hazy right because then pe some people will start to say well man we've got a smooth running machine and the thing is is like you could help somebody put in all the systems and processes get everything working and get it to where it works on autopilot and then they're going to go oh wait a second I i'm still paying you like 10 20 25 percent um that's not really fair and they they easily forget all that time energy and effort you put up on up front and they or you know maybe they wouldn't be at the results they're at now without you putting that in place and so memory starts to become a little bit faded and so it's one of those things where hey i'm not opposed to it i know that uh, there's an opportunity there we're working on something right now a new project i can't say what it is and it and it could be six it could be three, six, or nine months before this project comes to fruition. And it is, in my opinion, the best way we could ever partner with people and remove a lot of concerns, objections, uh, fear. I mean, it, it really solves so many problems, and especially, especially that problem which is the equity and the ownership and then uh you know that sort of thing so so we are working on a project right now and i'm more inclined to to continue working on that to where i just don't know if it's going to work out but we will know in three six or nine months um but that's the thing is like when you really want to work on something you know i worked on the channel for seven months without a paycheck whenever you count the research, the filming that I did, you know, three months before ahead of time, 
you know, I, I tell, you know, I, I usually start the story when I publish the first video, but there was about 90 days worth of work ahead of time, pre-work that I, that I did for free. And then it still took another 90 days to get the first deal under contract and then another 30 days for it to close. So that was seven months on the channel with, with no paycheck. All right. Um, not a lot of people are going to stick with that. A lot of people are going to quit within somewhere within that seven month time frame. So all of that is challenging. I have absolutely thought about it. It's a great question, Rogelio. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm torn because I would, I would love to partner with people. I would love to help people, but I also know people are, their memory fades quickly, uh, despite how much money they're making. And so that makes it a, that makes it a challenge, but also, I don't want to put in the work for two, three, four, five months, and then somebody quits. That 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 would just be devastating. Um, so, so that's the other problem with it. But I know with what we're working on now, it's one of the most exciting things that I've had the chance to to look at, and I hope it works a lot sooner rather than later, so we can you know come out with it and see how we can help other people, and it's it's a game changer. So, but otherwise, I'll have to get back with you on the twenty second. You know, I'm always always open for a trip to San Diego. That's that's always uh, I would always love to do that, but I'll just have to check the calendar, my man. Uh, let me see. I do have one more, um, and the other one is I don't know if anybody does this, but and on for lead uh, generation, landing pages are very common, right? So someone will do like a. And, and they'd be like geographic based, like roofer in Minnesota, in um, Milwaukee, Minnesota, right? And they'll generate a bunch of leads. And then what they do is they, they literally sell the leads to a local business. I don't know, has anyone done something like that in, on, in, on YouTube, meaning where, say, I think Dallas, from what I remember, you're in Texas. So Anchorage, Alaska, I'm just reaching, right? So you start up a YouTube channel that is all about Anchorage, Alaska, right? And, um, you know, those, those that channel starts to generate leads. And those leads, then you actually then start to sell those leads to those local you know, merchants in Anchorage, Alaska. Does does that kind of model exist? And if it does, then I guess I'm I'm just late to the party. How are you driving leads to the landing page? Um, I, so I'm not doing this. It's just something that I that I discovered, and there's a bunch of people. I mean, wow! I didn't know that this world even existed. But but there's people that literally just buy the right local domain right so they use google you know they use some kind of tool on google and it gives them like how many hits like these words have been used with with this city then they literally do a landing page with that and um they get a they get traffic and then they just start selling them and and they and the value of them goes up with the more traffic that they get. I just didn't know if somebody does that on YouTube. I'm just thinking out loud right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, I mean, a lot of people do that. I mean, marketing agencies will do that, right? They'll, they'll run ads or write SEO articles or websites or things like that and, and just drive traffic to the landing pages and then turn around and sell it to chiropractors or roofers or things like that. So, I mean, that's, that, that's a, 
most general marketing agencies that cover a lot of different professions, you know, if they know how to run ads or write copy or write SEO articles, I mean, that's the whole, that's the name of the game right there. So I, I do know people that do that all the time. Uh, for me, I'm working on just driving real estate, real estate leads. And I mean, we are doing that through SEO on, I mean, through blogs and, and videos, a combination of both. So we are driving that traffic, but it's one thing, you know, you've got to drive the, if you drive the traffic to another area, again, kind of talking back to partnering with people, you have to have a reliable agent. I mean, that's, that's the thing. You've got to have a reliable agent in that area. And so, uh, it, again, can present a challenge, but challenges can be overcome. And it's just one of those things where, where, uh, I mean, I think you could, but I would always focus on generating my own business for my own company uh, through my own channel first before I would look at trying to branch off in those areas. Makes sense, my friend. Yeah, it makes sense. I was I was asking in a very generic term so that I don't, you know, sabotage the conversation, but you know, in the ADU space, you know, that's definitely what we're, that's going to be our new marketing strategy in 2024 because, yeah, I mean, in California, I mean, we've now dominated California, so we're up to 343 units this year, and we'll be up to 1,000 just in California, so it's kind of pretty impressive to say that, you know, we built 343 houses in someone's backyard, so... You know, we're going to start doing what I just said, um, but on a national level. And, you know, to because the ADU business is humongous. I mean, it is just, it's still in its infancy stage. Um, nine out of ten, nine out of ten people still don't understand what an ADU is, which is still amazing. It amazes me. But the one or the 10% that do, I mean, they're just running with it like crazy. But, um, yeah, so... But thank you. Thank you, Levi. Yeah, I'd definitely make an ADU YouTube channel. I know that. If I were you. Do you have an ADU YouTube channel? So, because I'm the one that's buying up the companies, um, so the companies that I'm buying do have the <clears throat> do have their own they own YouTube channel, massive Instagram accounts. I mean, yeah, the ADU builders in Southern California, they are marketing like on steroids. So, I mean, I just bought one that, you know, has 65 million in ARs just in 2023. So, yeah, oh yeah, every every company that, that is on my radar, because um, I want to be the guy in the background. I don't want to be the guy in the forehound. Um, in the forefront, um, all of the ADU companies have like the perfect website, funnel website, a crazy Instagram account with like 30,000 plus followers, and, you know, tons of hits or impressions on their YouTube. So yeah, they're like a full service where they're lacking is they can't, the executing of the actual construction job, that's where they're hurting, meaning they have too much business. So that's their pain point, and that's what I'm there to clean up and help them up. And, and by doing that, that's how I'm able to partner with them. Yep. Sounds like a plan to me. I mean, I'd definitely be going after that if, um, 
find the YouTube channel there. But but I appreciate you, man, uh, as always. And I will uh, open it up. Let me see. I don't see any other questions in the chat. Uh, nobody else. So I think for me, Chrissy, do you want to add anything into protecting your money doesn't protect your income? Yeah, I would just say when it comes to expanding yourself through other people, I would say that's probably the number one thing that's going to make you grow. And you have to start before you're ready. I'll tell you with the editing agency, hiring my first hire was one of the most terrifying things I'd ever done. And I felt like I wasn't ready emotionally I wasn't ready to hand over the brand to somebody else because it was my baby I still struggle with that from time to time we just brought on a graphic designer all of the designs up to this point have been my baby (laughs) and so you know expanding myself and allowing other people to help us grow that's going to probably be one of those painful growing experiences for you but it will pay off in droves you'll get 10 times the return when you allow other people to expand and what you what you need to also recognize that at the very beginning when you're bringing new people onto your team you're delegating some of your tasks to other people on your team know that 75 percent of of what you're going to be transferring to them is skill-based, the other 25% you can train. So if that person isn't perfect coming into the game, you don't have to worry. 25% of that, you have the ability to train them up and, and make them exactly who you need them to be on your team. So just allow yourself to have some mistakes at the beginning, start before you're ready and it will pay off big time for you. All right. Sounds good. I think that's a wrap for today. So uh, hopefully you found some value in that. Not really much about YouTube, but more about just uh, growing, well, growing your YouTube business or any business really for that matter. But it's just something to now don't go blowing all your money. That's 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 a a key factor as well. But invest it wisely back into your skill set, back into marketing and I think those are two of the most important things. I mean, we invested in coaches and some mentors and, and conferences, uh, you know, because everything I learned over the last couple of years really compounded as well. And Peggy, oh, hey, Peggy, good to see you down there. Uh, good to always have you in here, Peggy. Good to see you. And, uh, and, and, and sorry, sorry we couldn't connect at WealthCon. Uh, was looking forward to chatting with you. My man Solomon, how you doing? Sandy, Jason, Alex, Kelsey, Jessica, and many, many more. So uh, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching at no cost, schedule a call at PassiveProspectingPartner.com.